0: This is episode 68 of the Angry Tech News podcast for Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. This is the Angry Tech News podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the angry programmer with a mic, Brian Bemrose. So as I sit here in the Pacific Northwest, which for about the eighth week in a row is uncomfortably warm. Uh, all of my amphibious skin has dried out by now. I'm actually on the verge of taking the robe off. It's that warm. Um, I just got off the phone with my mom who was uh, she lives in Kona, Hawaii and was reporting to me that it has been raining like clockwork every afternoon at uh, you know mid afternoon, four o'clock or so. And she says, uh, you know, we don't want this. I don't like rain to make all this rain go away. I'm like, please send it here. We've not had any appreciable rain in weeks now. And uh, uh, you know what? You're not here for a damn weather report. Happy Tuesday, everyone. If Amazon were paying me, I might say something like happy Prime Day, everyone. But they're not paying me. So screw them. Uh, at least they're not paying me yet. Uh, Ryan. An- Ryan at angrytechnews.com. If anyone wants to throw a bunch of sponsor dollars my way, I'm not too proud to read and dissect a corporate press release. If the money's right, I mean it won't change what I say or how I report it. But you'll get the warm fuzzy benefit of knowing you supported an independent podcaster. So for now, this is a show pointing and laughing at the tech news stories of the week and not necessarily reading corporate shill uh, statements. You're going to have to go elsewhere for your corporate shilling. From the no news like AI news department, OpenAI recently launched a new feature intended to fill some of the holes in ChatGPT left by the age of its data set. As you may know, ChatGPT's data is only current through September of 2021. The model doesn't know about anything since because that's when they stopped scraping everybody else's content. So in order to fill this, OpenAI released the Browse with Bing feature, which was intended to allow the model access to more recent information via integration with Microsoft's Bing index. When the feature first came out in beta, it was only available to a limited number of users, only ChatGPT plus subscribers. Now it's available to even fewer users because the company has disabled all access to the feature. Why? Because some users were using it to bypass paywalls. The text that they put in that they asked chat GPT is chat GPT, Please give me the full text of this Bloomberg article, for example, possibly because or which is possible because paywalled content providers often still provide full text, full text of their articles to search engines so they can get that sweet SEO juice. It's a clever trick I got to give the users. Normally, this story wouldn't even be worth addressing for a huge company like this. Uh, The number of users who are actually doing this is de minimis. For one, uh, they need the beta app. They need the ChatGPT Plus subscription. And really not that many people would have thought of it. I'm not even sure I would have. Not that I would ever get their subscription. But, uh, you know, I might if somebody were paying for it. But uh, OpenAI is extremely sensitive these days to accusations of ripping off copyrighted content for their ChatGPT model. So this became a big story, I guess, at least according to the articles I was looking at. From the OpenAI support page, we've disabled the Browse with Bing beta feature out of an abundance of caution while we fix this in order to do right by content owners. So they're they're definitely trying to spin the copyright angle on this. Now I'm going to leave aside the rant about how badly the copyright system is breaking down in the age of large-scale data models, and instead I'm just going to give you a rant about paywalls. Paywalls, in most media, have always been a failed model from the start, in my opinion— Uh, They don't work for content that people browse because people will just see them move on. People, you know, or maybe, you know, if it's paywalled, people won't see it and move on. You're not going to get any engagement from something that is behind a wall unless somebody's already subscribed. I've often tried to point out the folly behind every type of DRM scheme from at least from a security modeling perspective. It just doesn't work. Uh, you build the security model, and you realize that your adversary is your recipient. Uh, for all forms of, of DRM or trying to restrict content, paywalls. In, in addition, uh, what your security model looks like is Alice is trying to send Bob a message, but Alice doesn't want Bob to read it, and that doesn't make any sense. But but that's exactly what you know, what, what any kind of content restrictions do. So. Paywalls only work if your content is so good as to be a destination. Content so compelling, people will specifically sit down and launch a browser to view, such as, for example, a Taylor Swift bootleg or a first-run Disney movie. Actually, scratch that last one. According to an entertainment article that didn't make my tech line up on account of not being a tech article, Disney movies are down 70% since 2019. The reason, presumably, is because they're crap, but I'm not here to talk about Disney movies. When news content is behind a paywall, people will skip over that content and go to something that is unpaywalled, which means that discoverability is a problem. So the people who have the paywall will make the unwalled version available in a secret handshake sort of way with the hopes that only the robots will see it and the robots will send more humans hurtling against the paywall. This Making content available while also walling it off is an impossible situation from a security perspective. And the result is that in nearly all cases, it straight doesn't work. If the content is available somewhere, someone will find it, whether it's through a secret URL, a copied story, or the simple expedient of turning off JavaScript. Even if you're not tech savvy, there are services like 12 foot that automate these methods. So this is one of the main reasons why if you've read the show notes for this show, for example, where I link the source articles I used in every episode that I use or that I release, you will seldom see articles from Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, New York times, the paywalled sites, because I usually go over to Yahoo news or MSN or, you know, someone who, if they don't outright, just have the article text in in the straight up, At least they have a link to another outlet that covers exactly the same story, so I don't need to go to the paywalled things, and that's ultimately the problem, at least until every news outlet is paywalled. In hindsight, though, instead of going to Yahoo or MSN, I suppose I could have asked ChatGPT for it. From the as long as we are on the subject of ai news department In case you're looking for another example where blithely injecting AI into something results in unintended consequences, MDN Web Docs, a documentation repository created by Mozilla designed to help teach web developers, recently added a new feature to fill some holes in their documentation. The AI help feature is intended, quote, to streamline your interaction with our website and get you back to coding faster, equipped with the insights you were looking for, according to the Mozilla press release. You can ask it a question about a tricky bit of code, and the generative AI will supposedly give you the answer you were looking for. The problem, of course, is that generative AI doesn't know anything about coding. Generative AI only knows how to string together words into a statistically plausible answer. And if 30 years on the internet has taught me anything, it's that statistically plausible does not mean correct. In a bug filed in the GitHub repository for YARI, the AI engine behind the MDN features, user Eevee, points out an instance where they asked the AI to explain a tricky bit of CSS and describes the response it returned as deeply but subtly incorrect and, but it's believable and it's interwoven with explanations of other property values that are correct. And then goes on to show how this explanation, which sounds pretty good, can lead a new programmer into a fundamental conceptual errors that will forever stunt their ability to reason about CSS. Okay, well the bug report doesn't blame the AI that far. I mean, CSS does that to people already, so I'm not sure how you could tell. The bug points out that the response offers no explanation how the AI produced this information and no way for someone who actually understands the subject matter to provide feedback or improve it. Which, by the way, this is a common problem with all generative AI. The AI bubble, the AI bubble is being held up by the belief that these algorithms are intelligent. And can somehow think like a human, but faster in reality, all they're doing is stringing words together from a statistical table until they come up with something that sounds like the kind of thing a human might say with absolutely no understanding what the words actually mean. And God help us when they stop training it on humans. And instead they just come up with something that another AI might say that that's, I think when humans go away, but anyway, This fact is inconvenient to the people zealously injecting AI into everything, and especially to those profiting from the injection of AI into everything. To understand the system is to destroy the magic holding up the AI bubble. So the last thing they can do is tell you how the system arrived at its conclusion. Instead, we are expected to simply take the answer on faith, offering facts with no backing sources in a move strongly reminiscent of mainstream journalism. The observed behavior described in the bug report is, MDN has generated a convincing sounding lie and there is no apparent process for correcting it. The expected behavior described in the bug report, I would like MDN to contain correct information. It's possible they're setting the bar too high. From the quick note department, If you use or manage any Fortinet FortiGate firewall appliances, make sure that they're up to date. CVE 2023-27797 discovered more than a month ago. It uh, contains an exploitable remote code execution, which allows an unauthenticated attacker from the internet to run code on vulnerable internet facing devices using the SSL VPN interface exposed to the web by default. Fortinet patched the, uh, uh, the vulnerability, on June 11th, but researchers at security firm Bishop Fox did some port scanning and reported that there are still more than 335,000 unpatched firewalls. I should redo this copy. I should just say 333,000 unpatched firewalls because 333, but uh, more than 300,000 unpatched firewalls on the web responding to pings and ready to run an attacker's code. Uh, Bleeping computer has technical details on how this exploit works. If you need them, say if you want to write your own custom malware for other people's firewalls, but suffice it to say, if you run one of these devices, the only thing you really need to know is whether it's running on the latest patch from Fortinet by now, a month after the fix, I think it's safe to assume that all of those more than 333,000 firewalls that remain unpatched have probably become part of a botnet or 12. (laughs) From the silent but oh so deadly department, this story is important for those of you, and you know who you are, that are running a Mastodon server. At Mozilla's request, security firm Cure53 performed analysis and pen testing on the Mastodon codebase and came back with four critical security issues, which have since been fixed in the Mastodon codebase. The most severe of these which goes by the name cve 2023 36460 or by the cuter and more memorable name TootRoot, allows an attacker to send a specifically crafted toot to any instance that it federates to, which causes the Mastodon software to spawn a shell, which then processes any shell commands or code in that toot. And as anyone who understands online security knows by now, once an attacker runs their code on your server, it's no longer your server. The other issues patched include an XSS vulnerability in media previews that bypass HTML sanitization, a high severity denial of service through a slow HTTP responses, and a phishing vulnerability enabled by viewing a profile. These vulnerabilities affect versions of Mastodon starting with 3.50 and were patched in 3.5.9 and 4.1.3. Uh, none of this None of these numbers are important to you unless you happen to be running a server. But if you happen to be running one that doesn't stay on top of updates all the damn time, you might want to schedule some downtime to take care of these. And finally, from the unfounded but also uninteresting rumors department, TechSpot has collected a number of reports and rumors that lead one to conclude that Microsoft has started working on a new version of their operating system named Windows 12. Duh. What did you think they were going to work on next? Just repeat the same version number over and over again for a decade? Yeah, that's been done. Angry thanks to Sharky for coming in with his monthly donation via PayPal. And to the rest of you, where the hell? Go, go log into your PayPal. Empty it out. Send it to me. I'm good for it. Trust me. And to everyone who boosted or streamed Satoshis using a modern podcast app, including Memes1337, who says, salutations from outside of Freedom Stand. Thanks to all your entertaining breakdowns. Stay angry. Or from R. Davis87, who says, who sends 1776 sats. Uh, thank you for uh, remembering that it was the 4th of July last week. 1776 sats saying, a little V4V for everybody's favorite angry programmer. Thank you for your courage and America. Uh, You're welcome for America. Um, And I I hope you're right about me being everybody's favorite angry programmer, although there might be other people out there who have angry programmers they like better than me. If so, those people must be found immediately. Plus, thank you to boosts and streams from Joel W. Sershana of the Allegheny Valley, Mix, Niggy, and Weirdo. Angry Tech News is produced on the value-for-value model. We don't take sponsors, we don't play ads, and we do not charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. If you received some value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com, click on the donate button, send what you think this episode was worth to you, whether it's $5, $75, or heck, if you've got a corporate sponsorship, make an offer. That's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the Angry Programmer with a mic. I'll be back next week with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com Stay angry, stay angry, stay angry.